scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from Romans chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. St. Paul writes by divine inspiration, Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. A little more than 30 years ago, down in southern Florida, there was a very high-powered attorney who um, went missing for about three days. Nobody knew where he, was, where he was. His work didn't know where he was. His family and after a while, someone discovered that he had driven his car out on the runway of the local airport and gone way off the end of the runway down into some brush. And when they found him in there, there was a bullet hole in his head. He had committed suicide. Later that week, it came out in the newspapers that the FBI was investigating him for embezzlement, and he had embezzled about $200,000. And uh, just so happened that one of my members of the church I was serving was his personal secretary, and she was just so shocked by all of this, uh, that this was all going on and she didn't know about it. And I remember her coming to talk to me, and she said he had grown up as a Christian. His wife would have been willing to forgive him. His kids would have been willing to forgive him for this crime. He probably would have, after getting arrested and put on trial, would have had to go to prison maybe for a year or two, had to pay the money back. He was an extremely wealthy man already. And maybe would have had to move from the community to change his name. And she was just so puzzled by the fact that he would just end his life. What made it that he just couldn't live with himself? What was so bad that he just decided to take matters into his own hands? That burning sense of guilt that can be inside of people can really eat at us. We, a story like that makes us think of Judas, and uh, who sold our Lord for 30 pieces of silver, and then later that same weekend was so troubled and bothered by what he had done. And uh, he felt that, that Jesus could never take him back. And he is, his guilt just drove him into such a horrible feeling about himself. And he couldn't live with himself. We're told he threw the money into the temple and left and went out and hanged himself. Martin Luther used to talk about that our conscience can be like a, a little dog known as regret. <laughs> regret. And it can just follow us our whole life and be nipping at our heels and biting and yapping at us all the time. Sometimes it's, it's hard to forgive yourself. Sometimes it's one thing to talk about God's forgiveness, but letting that really be inside of you for things in your own life, that can sometimes be challenging. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, St. Paul has been using a picture or illustration about the slavery of sin that we can be in. And he's not only talking about the fact that we can be shackled kind of to a particular sin that we keep falling back into, but also the ramifications of that even on us as people. Uh, the, the, the fact that it, it can cause us to just live in such guilt 
and with things that just weigh on us so heavily. Contrition is an interesting thing. Contrition means to feel remorseful, uh, to regret something that you've done before, something that may be in the past. And contrition can certainly be a healthy thing, but sometimes it can be an unhealthy thing too. You as college students are in a stage of life where you're very easily, easily tempted to do things that later in life, people who are like my age <laughs> come to regret. And a lot of people look back on things when they were teenagers or in their early 20s with things that they maybe took very casually now and, and yet later in life they look back on it with a lot of regret. And sometimes those regrets can really nag at people the rest of their life. So when it comes to contrition, we have to ask ourselves, is the, is the contrition that I feel, is it coming from heaven or is it coming from hell? Let me explain what I mean. Let's consider Judas again. Think of Judas and Peter, both disciples of Jesus. They both witnessed as many uh, events in Jesus' life and heard his words together. Consider both of them. They both, during the same week, um, disassociated themselves with Jesus for different reasons. One did it for money, and the other did it to kind of save his hide or maybe pride or maybe just fitting in with a crowd of people around a fireplace. But they both disassociated themselves with Jesus for different things. Same sin. Exactly the same sin, really, when it gets right down to it. And yet how they, how they handled it from that point on is rather different. Judas imagined that his sin was so bad, so deep, so bad, that God could never forgive him, that Christ would never take him back. He imagined that whatever Christ could do could never be big enough to cover the enormity of his sin. And so his way of handling that was to just end his life. In, in essence, his sin had shackled him to the devil and to hell. He felt contrition. He sure did. You can't tell me he didn't feel bad for what he did wrong. He felt regret and contrition for what he had done. But it shackled him to the wrong location. Peter, on the other hand, even though his sin was just as evil as that of Judas, we're told that it really struck him too. He went outside and wept bitterly, we're told. But he also knew and remembered Christ as a forgiving and loving Savior. And by God's grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit, he stayed by his side. He also felt contrition for his sin, but it was a heavenly contrition. The Holy Spirit used that contrition in his heart not to drive him from Christ, to actually drive him back to Christ and to keep him there. And he stirred up his heart to make him go back to that wonderful Savior who would forgive him. As you entered the sanctuary today, you probably noticed a globe. And I put there intentionally. And we read the passage earlier from the Psalms. As far as the east is from the west, so far has the Lord removed our transgressions from us. When I was a student here, there was a professor named Rudy Hunzi that Hunzi Hall is named after. A wonderful Christian man. 
And Professor Hunzi, when he would read this passage, would always make this note. And he said, you can think about God's grace every time you look at a globe. And here's what he meant. He said, if you think about north and south, they finally touch each other. If you go to the North Pole, south is right at your feet wherever you go, and vice versa on the South Pole. But he said east and west never touch each other. They're always chasing each other around the globe. They never really actually touch each other. And he said, think about that God put that passage in there for our comfort, that our sins have been so far removed from us, they can never touch us again. They'll never, ever touch us again. St. Paul writes in our text, Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, he says, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So God has removed your shackles from you and your sin and removed your being shackled to the punishment for that sin and instead has linked you now and in a sense shackled you as a slave to him and to Christ. And in that you have forgiveness. In that you possess the holiness of Christ that will get you to heaven. In that you, you possess a new relationship with God the Father. And you've been freed from the sin that once would have pulled you all the way to the gates of hell. And God now, linking you to himself, wants you to live a life that also reflects this wonderful grace that he has given to you. Now, if you're like me as a Christian in this world, we're going to continue to struggle with our sinfulness in this life. But connected to Christ, we are already saints. One commentator said, in the realm of sanctification, that's how well we live our Christian lives in the narrow sense. In the realm of sanctification, we are all rookies. But in the realm of justification, we're all veterans. We are all veterans because of what Christ has done, looking forward to the joy of heaven. So God would have you as a, as a Christian who's been unshackled from your sin and now shackled to Christ God would have you live in the joy of forgiveness. He'd have you live in the joy of his grace. He'd have you, you free your conscience from that, that contrition that might make you think God could never take you back and instead know him in his grace and in his mercy. It's interesting that the night before, uh, the night that Jesus had told Peter that he would deny him and so on during his passion, this is what he said. I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail, but then listen to this. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, isn't that interesting? Christ is saying, when you've come back to me and my grace and forgiveness and once again return to my side as your Savior, I'm going to use you to strengthen other Christians. I'm going to use you, somebody who was so weak and yet forgiven now, I'm going to use you to strengthen other Christians. And boy, does that happen. As you look in the book of Acts, as you look at the epistles of Peter and how he writes so confidently about the grace of God that we all have. In fact, at one point he was thrown in prison and for speaking and preaching about Christ and how much he loved him. And they told him to be quiet, the authorities, and he said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. May God the Holy Spirit stir up faith in your heart 
and allow you to have the proper heavenly contrition that, that drives you always back to Christ and to his grace so that you can now live in the freedom of that grace knowing you have life in heaven ahead of you. Amen.